A Podshape production. I feel him. I smell him. And um, I dream about him. Sack's out there, Mum. How do we know he's not just laying there and can't get out of the rain? You've been here. What have you done? What have you found? You've been out here with the dogs. And they're like, no, we haven't. And I said, well, someone's been here. A long-term missing person is someone who's been missing for more than three months. Zach Barnes has now been missing for three years. From the Missing Persons Podcast Network, what happened to Zach? Previously. I'm not chasing the psychics. The psychics are coming to me. He said I can feel him and he's... His heart is racing 100 mile an hour and he's saying in his head, um, I don't want to be part of this. And then he, this guy says, he starts saying, I'm not like my dad. I'm not like my dad. His dad got into heroin and stuff, like never a dealer or anything, but as an addict. And that's why I know he's not a drug addict because he hated his dad for that. And I'm thinking, this guy could not know that. And then I said, well, what happens next? And he said, this older man puts a package on the table. And that's when Zach's gone, I don't want this, I don't want that. I said, what's the package? And he goes, it's obviously drugs. And then um, he says that Zach says, I don't want this, I don't want to be part of it. And the guy goes, too late. And then he says he lost his life. And I'm thinking, well, did he resist? If he would have gone, I'll stuff you guys, I'm going to go dob you in was his strong personality his downfall because he didn't want to be part of it and he told him so. There's another lady who, um, Susie Price, she's quite renowned. I had a reading with her um, under much, you know, I was really resisting because I I was going against my faith. And um, when I sat there, I said, look, how do you do this? She said, I'm just going to connect with your dead loved ones and I'm going to ask them information. And the things that she told me from there were amazing. Then she closed her eyes and tears came out of her face. She didn't distress me at all. She said, I've just found Zach. And she said, if it's okay with you, I'm going to talk to Zach and I'm going to ask him to confirm some memories that only you guys will know. So you'll know that it's him or it's not him. And I went, okay, like, I'm like, yeah, whatever. Like, and then she started straight away. She starts talking about Cody. She's saying his bro, loves his bro, and calls him codes. And then he goes, he loves sleeping with his bro. And then she said, oh, did Cody and Zach share a room together? And I said, no, never, because the two older boys always did, and the two younger boys. She's like, no, he's telling me he loves spooning his bro. That's his favourite memory. And then I remembered as young men... Cody used to come home and Zach would say, Oh, I'm jumping your bed. Yeah, straight up, bros. You know what I mean? That was good, man. That was good. Miss up. He keeps telling me you're going in his room. And you go in there and you just stand in there and you wonder whether to pack the boxes. 
and that's I did. I used to go in there every day and Cody came home straight away and he was sleeping in his room and I'm like, oh, do I pack it up? Is he going to walk in? He's going to be angry at me. I let Cody use all his clothes and, and I'm having this tormenting, you know, should I, would I, you know. And she says, he says, pack my boxes, mum, it's okay. Cody can wear my clothes. Like whatever I was thinking, she just answered. So I did. And then, you know, he had his watch and he said he wanted his watch to go to his brother and then talked about other, like she confirmed all these stories and then um, she told me I was going to find him. She told me there would be a coronial inquest, which I didn't even know what an inquest was. At that time it wasn't until I read later that those words are there. I said, oh, how do you know I'm going to find him? She said, I see his funeral. She said, there's thousands of people there. And um, that upset me because now I don't think of that. Like, it's still not real. But um, I'm thinking, how do I do that? Like, how can I put him, sounds really silly, how can I put him in a grave and leave him there all by himself? That really upset me. And um, she said, oh, no, 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 you're not going to bury him. And I said, why? What am I going to do? And she said, oh, no, he wants to be cremated. He's telling me that he wants you to sprinkle his ash, part of his ashes over the Harrington Break Wall. That's our traditional family Christmas and he wants to keep the rest of the ashes at home and I'm thinking that's just so him like even in his passing he's still right here <laughs> do you know what I mean that's why I know he didn't run away yeah she said that he was set up uh, like he got caught up in something and how true that is I don't know um but she said there's people going to jail but yeah she said he's here in Thornton in a shallow grave she said they've moved him. This lady from Sydney rang me and said, my mum needs to talk to you. She said, do you know how I work? And I'm thinking, oh, someone's going to con me. And she's like, I don't speak to the living. So she sort of had some psychic ability. And she's describing this area. She's never been here before. Like she talked about the colour bond fences and the swamp. And then she's like, Zach didn't run away. It's somebody's hurt Zach. And, um, and I started freaking out and going, like, where, what, how? And she says, look, he's laying face down in the mud in the swamp. And I kept asking what happened. She goes, I'm not going to tell you. The police will know that when they find him. So we had lots of people, volunteers, and that was our first major search that we'd done. But, so we were a bit all over the place. We all met at the train station and we walked all through the bush and... We were trying to do a grid search but sort of couldn't and we're all over the place. Anyway, I got frustrated and I rang this lady and I said, look, you've sent me out here, I'm doing this search. You know, like, where can you tell me? And she said, video where you are. We videoed and we sent it to her and she said, well, there's a lady in the red shirt directly over her shoulders to the back. You'll find him there. And it's a big swamp area. And we just raced. And as we got closer, there was this horrific smell. And, like, I thought we'd found it. Like, I'm thinking, oh, my God, what is that disgusting smell? And and then Mick's like, no, it's just the mud and the dead fish because the water's dried up. And, and we were going through all these reeds and stuff. And to be honest, I don't think anyone wanted to find him because we sort of gave up pretty quick. And then we went home. And then that was in the newspaper. So it was publicised that we're out there. And that, that was a Sunday. Then the following Saturday, I got up really early and um, I walked out there. It was like five or six o'clock. And um, 
I was just talking to myself and talking to Zach and, and stuff and I'm, I'm going like, Zach, if you're out here, like, point me, lead me, whatever. Like, Anyway, I found myself wandering back to that swampy area and um, when I looked, there was all these footprints, um, like big heavy boots, like I instantly thought it must have been police because they were sunken in and dogs. Like there was not one person out there looking and playing and throwing sticks in the mud. It was, it looked very organised, in and out, in and out. Like, and I got excited. So I got onto the phone to the detectives and I said, you've been here, What's, what have you done? What have you found? And he said, we haven't been there. And I said, you have, you have, you've been searching, you've been out here with the dogs. And they're like, no, we haven't. And I said, well, there's, someone's been here. And this is not where he was reported to get out of the car. This is just 100 metres down the road. He would have been on his way here. So it's very logical in the sense where he got out, that if he was running from someone and there was another party there, because Susie said there was another car, it was like he was caught up in something. And, um, you know, she said someone chased him. So I wonder, was he there? And did they go back? I don't know. Like... That's why I think little things like that foul play. What do you hope for? Do I see him again for one, really? But I guess without that, just being able to put, put it to rest, you know what I mean? Give help my family have a bit of you know comfort, a bit of resolution, if anything, because you know three years has just been pissing the wind, really. So. Yeah, just put it to bed, really. We'll see that bloody face of his again. I just want some answers. Closure's not a word. I don't think anything's ever closed. But, um, you know, Mia, she's, she's now 10. Last year, one of the major searches we did was for her. And what I mean that was... When it would rain, she would cry and she would get upset. At first, I try to be aware of what's happening around us and not just focus on Zach and, and how I feel about it. I want to be aware of how I can help my entire family. And so I said to her, um, what's wrong, baby girl, you know? It's not thunder outside. You don't have to be scared. There's no lightning. Why are you crying? And she said, Zach's out there, Mum. How do we know... He's not just laying there and can't get out of the rain because they're beautiful little minds that don't think anything more than what they know and they just know that he got out of the car and ran to the bush. At that very instant, I thought, yeah, I've got to do another search, but this one's for her. So to prove to her that he's not laying out there in that bush and she doesn't have to cry herself, you know, and with worry. And we did the search and I just said to her, he's not there, honey. It's okay. He's he's a he's a teenager, and you know we're going to keep looking, and and we just say um because we you know we're Christians and we have a faith. Our answers, Mick and I, give to the kids. It's like it's okay. He's either with God or God's with him, and either way he's fine, and that that sits well with them. You know, Michaela, she's now turning twelve. 
like the kids, we're all in turmoil. There's this big ripple effect. I just want that to stop and let them to be able to move forward. Like she's driving along. I'm on my way to work and dropping her off at, at grandma's place. And she says to me, oh, mum, I've been thinking about Zach. I'm like, yeah, look, what are you thinking? You know, like, and, and then she says to me, mum, I think Zach's in heaven. And I must have gone silent because all I can gather is from her reactions, she must have thought she upset me because it doesn't, I didn't think I did anything. I thought I was being pretty cool about it. And um, she started apologising for saying that. And then that's all I sort of clicked back into the moment saying, like, what are you apologising for? She goes, I'm sorry, Mum, I only think about it sometimes. I had to really think about it. And I said, look, can I ask why you think that? And then straight away this little bubbly voice comes. She goes, oh, Mum, he's up there with Jesus and he'll be playing and he's doing this and he's with Streets Danny and he's, she started naming some past relatives and, and he's having a good time. And then I went, yeah, sometimes I think that too. And I thought it was easier to agree and let her feel comfortable with that because miracle happened and he could walk in the door, but at least she's not worrying all the time. So I... I if we can find some sort of answer to what happened, we can live with that and move forward. Whereas living in limbo, it's the hardest thing. I don't think you can ever be like, yeah, no, I'm sweet, but, you know, I'm doing well, kicking my head down, kicking on, getting life going, you know, seeing the happiness in it. Do you think about it much? Oh, every day, bloody day, mate, you know, every day. Do you ever think Zach will walk through that front door? I'd love it. <laughs> I really would. Um, you know, as as a Christian, I often think of the story of the prodigal son, and um, that would be a great thing. But I just don't think it's going to happen. Not that I've given up. It's just I feel him. I smell him, and um, I dream about him. And weird things happen, and it's like he's had his little input. So I just got to believe he's in a good place, and I just got to make some good come of it and not make it all for nothing. Our thanks to Karen and her family for sharing so deeply. You can follow the official family page, find Zach Barnes on Facebook, or help Karen raise funds for the coronial inquest on the GoFundMe page, find Zach Barnes. If you have information that could help police, call Crime Stoppers on 1800 000. The Missing Persons Podcast Network was developed to create awareness for the 38,000 missing persons in Australia right now. Our aim is to bring you these stories with a hope to find answers for the people left behind. A Missing Persons Podcast Network production. Produced by Mark Hales. Sound design by Tiffany Dimack. Hosted by Jay Walkerton. 
There are over 38,000 long-term missing person cases in Australia, and the story you've just heard is one of them. We want to continue to help bring these emotional stories of ambiguous loss to you so we can spread the word and hopefully get some closure for the families. For as little as the price of a coffee a month, you can help support us to keep creating this content. Just head to our Patreon page. The link is in the show notes.